And we're back, and hi. Uh, look, <laughs> uh, welcome to another episode of Mike, Mike, and Oscar. I'm your co-host, Mike One, co-host also, Mike. First and foremost, it's 2021. It's mm-hmm. a new year. Mm-hmm. It's the same, hopefully, high-quality entertainment and movie review episodes that you can come to expect from Mike, Mike, and Oscar. But we know we've been gone for a little bit. We wanted to say a couple things right off the start. One, thank you so much for listening to us yes. and for helping us get through uh, the hellscape that was 2020. Hopefully, we were able to make, if your 2020 was difficult, hopefully we were able to make it a little brighter for you as well. But we know we cannot do this without you and without your support and without your care. So thank you for listening. Thank Thank you for all the kind words everyone out there has sent our way, uh, specifically with the last 10 days or so, how awful it's been for me. And that's kind of where we're going to leave 2020 to start this episode. Uh, 2020 ended very appropriately, I would say, for the year that 2020 was. So I, for one, am very excited that we start 2021 here. And we're starting it on a high note as we're bringing you the Oscar Sprint profile of the Disney Plus feature i guess question mark soul from pixar michael i'm thrilled we have the opportunity to review a really really good movie today i yeah. think this was a godsend well it was a mouse send it was a jerry <laughs> send uh during the holiday break we were able to study it watch it a bunch uh mm-hmm. we weren't away for that long we were away for like seven days like this yeah. i know it's like the longest hiatus we've took i mean but we're ridiculously <laughs> prolific but look i didn't want to record a podcast with the weeping woman uh yarona i don't think that would have been good audio entertainment i think you had you had some issues you had to work through and yeah it's just life life happened to you a lot this year it happened to me i had covid myself i mean yeah just we had we had a really tough year we still put out a ton of content we still grew our audience we still need to thank all of you out there yes absolutely Uh, like you said at the top guy mike because we had a, another banner year at Mike, Mike, and Oscar, and we had shit literally hit the fan and spray everywhere. I know this is a children's <laughs> film, but it's not really a children's film. It's more of an adult film. Anyway, I, I'm going to curse, but, you know, not safe for all the kids. Some of them are, you know, at this point. Oh, the they got to hear this stuff eventually. <laughs> exactly. They got to deal with the ex- existential crisis of life and death exactly. and purpose. And, and they got to yes. hear some naughty words at times. And, you know, we're not going to hold them back. So no more appropriate film to uh, kind of delve into after that intro. Sincerely, from the bottom of our hearts, thank you so much. We're hoping that uh, 2021, in all ways for all people, will be better than the last one was. But yeah, on a positive note, look, we do have maybe the first great movie of this past, or I guess this current, because the Oscars haven't happened yet, Oscars season. Mm -hmm. We're going to dive into it. Soul had a lot, uh, I I think a lot unexpected. I think a lot to talk about and dive into. And so we're setting the table here. It's the Oscar sprint profile for the movie Soul. If you've not joined MMO before for what we call an OSP, what they are are two reviews for the price of one. We have a non-spoiler review. So if you've not dove into, dove in, dive, whatever, yeah, whatever that word is in the past tense into <laughs> Disney Plus yet to watch Soul. Don't worry. We're not going to spoil it for the first half. It'll be an all non-spoiler review. You will have a spoiler warning at the midway point, and then we will dive into the plot and everything, all the twists and turns that the movie had to offer in the spoiler-filled review portion of this review. But that won't be till the second half. So, Michael, let's get started. Non-spoiler review of the movie Soul. Yeah, and let's dive right in with the plot premise here. A musician who has lost his passion for music, is transported out of his body and must find his way back with the help of an infant soul learning about herself. So 
this is basically the ghost of Christmas past and Scrooge kind of deal. Mm. Or is it? We we like from this premise, we don't know exactly what's going on. Uh, we know that the before time was a factor, but I, mm-hmm. I I'm intrigued by this premise, just like everything I you know everything I hear from Pixar. This was a hidden premise. The, the movie, the whole plot of this movie, I think was either hidden well or it was a great misdirect on Pixar's part, mm-hmm. depending on how you interpreted all the uh, promotional materials and the trailers and stuff. I thought, as far as expectations go, we were going to get basically inside out for the soul. Yeah. Like, I thought we'd spend a lot of time in the in the before. I thought we'd spend a lot of time in that kind of nebulous purgatory area. I, I, I was pleasantly surprised that wasn't the case. And if that wasn't going to be the case, I thought I would be disappointed. But I, I, I have very high marks to say about this movie in general. What were your expectations going in, Mike? I don't know if my expectations could have been any higher. So that oh, really? may... Well, I was pushing this movie, like, in a diluted year. I mean, look, I've had Pixar films in my top, you know, three True. of the... Almost every year. For a while, it was one of the reasons why we had to do the Pixar rewatch series, Mike, because right. but we both have loved that company and we've Absolutely. loved how independent uh, a dream factory they've been, even though, you know, Disney as an overlord has kind of let them do their own thing. And they've they've meddled a little bit, but, you know, they kind of kind of almost merged at times. We did we did that whole study during the Pixar rewatch series where we kind of discussed the industry or whatever we call that. We had a cool name for that segment. It was it was I forget what it was, but we talked about the business behind every single one of these Pixar films. And in this case with Soul, uh, it's it's another like really smart merger. You have Kemp Powers who is a playwright who is a person that has not been involved with animation his whole career, who wrote One Night in Miami as a play uh, in in like the uh, 2010s, early 2010s. Mm. And he basically forged a career, you know, forged an alliance with Pixar as a writer, and they made him a co-director on this. And it's just, it's a fascinating story to, behind the camera, even though it's been told a bunch lately. But it's, it's again, with Pixar, another fascinating behind the scenes story. And you you share in misery with him as he is a lifelong diehard Knicks fan, and he, he made sure to make that known. Is my favorite guy after the Knicks <laughs> joke in this movie. <laughs> I love I love it. So the fact that he came so quickly to the defense of that joke, yes, the defense of his, himself. He's like, listen, I have been a Knicks right. fan for twenty for thirty years. I have earned the right to make that joke. Brilliant. We'll get into it. Spoilers, but it, uh, absolutely brilliant. But look, I mean. The reception has been high, so we have been, you know, getting our expectations raised with an 85 Metascore, 95% on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, audience scores are high, 8.2 IMDb, 89% on Rotten Tomatoes in terms of the audience reactions, Mike. So this has been a movie that I have been suspicious of. Could, you know, get an animated feature and a Best Picture nomination this year. I think that's going to be the crux of what we talk about in this non-spoiler section. Do you have any hunch because you've been a man of hunches and you followed your hunches and your back is slightly hunched in itself <laughs> you're just a one big hunch do you have a hunch that this is going to get or not get a best picture now they called me quasi Micah. no uh <laughs> terrible joke and i had terrible. a worse one would you say you that know. this movie is just what the doctor ordered okay now that that's out of the way bad couple of jokes uh, <laughs> you're, you're, i i don't see in this diluted i i hate calling it diluted because i know filmmakers are, are everyone's trying their hardest here and putting out top quality stuff for me this 2020 film year has been it's been no secret it's been kind of a fallen short of 
you know, other recent Oscar right. years. So I, I had my expectations kind of lowered, and maybe that's why I am so high on this movie. I don't see how it can't get a Best Picture nomination, quite frankly. I think it is good. just so good and just so head and shoulders above what we've had that are supposed to be contenders recently. I mean, I don't know that it's the best film of the year so far for me or my favorite film of the year for 2020, but it's you look at Soul, you watch Soul, and to me you say, okay, this is a Best Picture nominee on the year. So the Wonder Woman backlash hit, and that kind of took Wonder Woman off the Oscar board, other mm-hmm. than maybe VFX. But this movie landed on Christmas Day, and the rave reviews have been flying everywhere. I mean, obviously we had good word of mouth before the movie came out. I wonder how Wolfwalkers and Soul and how that matchup is going to fail or fare through the rest of the critics' awards. Because yeah, I mean everybody was like, "Hey, Wolfwalkers is is really good," and let's not forget. Mm-hmm. And that felt like the critics' pick, where they're just kind of tabbing somebody who they don't want the Academy to forget and say, hey, this has to be a contender. This should be a contender. It's that mm-hmm. good. Let's let's push it. But now, Soul is, is like having this new campaign form behind it. And it's and it's like what you just said. This movie is too good. Especially it's 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 too top tier. I'm just I'm just alliterating for alliteration's sake well, in that regard. But <laughs> it's a top tier film, no doubt about it, this year. So it should be in that best picture conversation show. We probably should start picking it as critics more often, right? Well, it has a lot of things going for it, too, that whether they're by design or by happenstance. I, like, 2020 has been a down year in yep. both film and theaters and in general in Psyches, right. existential. And this, this, yeah, this has a, a good... Globe. <laughs> this has a good message. This has heart. This is I, I, I am convinced that the Oscars and award season are going to be stuff that we're going to want to feel good about. And you could feel good about supporting this movie. You could feel good about this movie winning Oscars. You could feel good about a guy like Pete Doctor, who has been nothing but aces throughout his whole career, breaking that figurative glass ceiling and getting in best director for anim- for an animated movie if he does that uh, just to get in the field and nominated there you can feel good about this being an animated movie that actually competes for best like there's the plot of the movie makes you feel good there's a lot that this has going for it because of the year that 2020 was which is a little ironic and kind of cynical but I think it's true I think in terms of like traditional awards resumes mm-hmm. Soul is is lacking at this moment and that could still be fixed obviously but yeah i think it's, in terms it's of a narr- weird year yeah. yeah but in terms of narratives uh surrounding the movie the fact that it had it, it had a major moment over the christmas break like we took a poll that i kept botching <laughs> and, uh, i don't <laughs> I know saw if you, you saw do that, that. Yes. Uh, i just could not figure perseverance it out. on your end they put it out like four times, but the people voted on it, and I, I was glad to see that everybody said their favorite movie of the Christmas break, as far as our listeners go, it was Soul, and I think that goes across the board. I don't think, I don't think that's a small sample size. I think everybody loved this movie over the holiday break. Maybe everybody but kids. <laughs> like that, that's another thing. But in terms of the film Twitter, film Twitter loves this movie. And I do think its next level achievement is goes beyond animated features. So if, if you're going to get behind it, critics groups, as a Best Picture winner, 
then you probably got to let it win the horse race with Wolfwalkers. And, that, and that's going to be a near, you know something we talk about over the next couple of weeks. I think this movie's head and shoulders above Wolf Wolfwalkers, which is a movie I really liked, but we got to start picking it in animated feature. We can't get cute. I think it's winning two Oscars right now. I think Running Away, it's got two to its name, and we're going to get into one into which categories those are. One of those is animated feature. Whatever's going on with the Globes, whether or not it's eligible, I, <laughs> we never know what's going on with the HFPA. I think if it was in that conversation, as far as anything that would fit a comedy or musical, it would win that running away right now with this year, and that would only help its momentum, even though, it, for whatever reason, it's not being talked about right now. Maybe it's not eligible. I didn't do the research into it. But I, it, this is top tier, like you said, man. I think Soul is something that the Academy will enjoy much more than the critics associations but again i'm trying to rally some critics right now maybe as one of the i know we're doing this a little late better late than never but maybe it's it's good timing for us because we got a whole nother month where the critics are right. start are going to start to form a consensus we really got critics awards happening until march mm-hmm. uh, but the next month is going to be okay the critics awards scoreboard watching time and we're going to start that on our own show a little bit in oscar race checkpoints but right. if you're gonna get behind soul as a best picture winner you gotta start to do it i think it's sh- it, sh- it should not be getting shut out against wolf walkers right now i think that's silly even though wolf walkers is good but this is this is another level, and we've seen this happen before. We've seen Claws take a lot of awards against right. Toy Story 4, right. and then at the end of the day, Toy Story 4 wins the Oscar. So, I mean, Pixar wins out in the end. Yeah. Right? And, and they just look at last year. I mean, if, if you're talking about Best Picture, too, and I know this is more a narrative thing as well, but the underdog upset pick, for as much as Pixar and Disney could ever be an underdog in these days, the underdog pick with an animated feature that has universal support that nobody really says a bad thing about i mean parasite was kind of in the same boat mm-hmm. there was only like one dissenting voice out there for parasite last year can't remember whose it was but <laughs> everybody loved that movie and this is kind of this could follow that blueprint relatively easily i would think well let's start to get into the reasons yeah. why because i do think this is through the eye of a needle and that's a religious scriptural reference but it's on purpose because like this is very positive in terms of all its spiritual and religious world building. It's it's very neutral. It's somehow polytheistic and monotheistic. And I, if I'm blowing your mind right now, look, I didn't do it. I didn't write it. Pixar did this. Like maybe <laughs> Pixar should be like in charge of more important stuff than just making entertainment for children and adults and basically getting Disney Plus into the Netflix territory of streaming services. I pray to well. Pete Doctor as it is. Yes. Maybe they should be like in in charge of peace in the middle east i just watched the documentary <laughs> the human factor and watched all the clinton people and bush people who were in charge of peace in the middle east and all those same guys that were trying to deal with it maybe they should be in charge of that because somehow mike this is a story about the afterlife and souls before birth and i don't think it's offended anybody on film yeah. Twitter or anywhere in terms of religion religious pe- uh, people watching it and who ascribe to very specific worldviews and this movie has been totally neutral and and happy for everybody i i yeah i don't know if it's pixar or whether it's the score and we just need atticus uh atticus ross and trent reznor to go to the middle east and just play background music for everyone but maybe uh, yeah you're right it's it's really especially for what is quote-unquote a kid's movie and having this concept this is so abstract Right. Like Inside Out, I feel like people have been comparing this a lot to Inside Out, and I feel like Inside Out is more easily understood 
yes, we all have things inside of us where we have different emotions that are at the helm that are in charge and taking control. This is really the plot of this is purgatory is a space for before <laughs> and after life in which the beings of ourselves find our reasons to live and exist in this world. As, as a, a kids movie, yeah, what? as a kids movie <laughs> premise, and it, it is it is voiced by Tina Fey and Jamie Fox, and maybe that's part of the reason why it works. Everybody loves them, uh, but th- it's efficient, focused storytelling. Somehow, that when you study it, it really gets into some mind-numbingly huge concepts, Mike. Yeah, and oh, that's yeah. what's so cool about this particular film study for us, I think the rewatches really deepen this movie and actually work for me. Like when I watch the movie as a first glance, I'm like, wait a minute. This is what everybody's <laughs> talking about as the movie that's worked for everybody. But I, when I watch all the gymnastics that they do mentally to make this movie appeal to everybody, like the fact that you have multi-spiritual warrior mystics going on trying to save lost souls and it's working <laughs> in a kid's movie with in that. In a kid's movie. Yeah. it's I I really loved it and how they mixed it with like being in the zone music. Like, my God, the storytelling prowess here. It, it, to make it simple enough for adults and kids without offending anybody, I'm in awe. And that speaks to, I think, both the direction and the screenplay categories, too, if we're talking about specific categories, which aren't even the two. I mean, the, look, the two Oscars I think it wins right now yeah. is animated feature, obviously. We talked about that. And original score. I think original score is a done deal. This was so... I, I had this on the level of, of like what Giacchino did in Up and, and mm-hmm. other Pixar classics, right? which I think are some of the most memorable and best film scores of all time. What Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross did in this was just borderline edm borderline electro pop soothing kind of religious overtones like you kind of alluded to it's so good just to to start if you were just listening to this movie you'd be at peace and awe it felt very silicon valley-y like sure. you, you had like notes from Steve Jobs and Halt and Catch Fire, which was a show I watched on AMC that I really liked and all that synth. And it was very like operatic synth and Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross. It felt like they were building their whole careers to this because, yeah, you get notes of the social network and, and, mm-hmm. and how he's running through the quad. We just studied the social network. Uh, you get notes in terms of the exposition of the girl with the dragon tattoo. I mean, it sounded nothing like Mank, which is I think is going to earn even more points right with the academy the fact that those two same guys did mank score which sounded like a hitchcock you know film noir sound Mm -hmm. uh, uh, original score and music for for an old 1940s and 50s movie and then this movie which is like you're saying it's just absolutely new age modern music for for a movie that we didn't really get a lot of before these two guys started scoring pictures and music overall I mean, you know, we can talk all day about those two guys specifically and just how wondrous they are, but the movie has a lot of music in it, which I think helps overall. I mean, we get in the first five minutes, basically band practice, Joe's tickling the ivory for the kids, Dorothea's sax playing. I think we have more music in a five minute, the first five minute stretch of this movie than we get in any five minute stretch of something of a movie based around music like Ma Rainey's Black Bottom or something like that. Like it, it really is head to head like that. It's surprisingly melodic and musical, I would say. I loved every minute of it Same. from the jokes and gags like Davi Diggs does a parody rap in here. 
that is so gosh darn mm. funny. And thank God they put it in it. You know, they put it in a couple times. And I, I, I and it showed up on this on this you know the YouTube score. Like you can go on YouTube or I think Spotify is, it has it as well. But I mean, you guys can go listen to the score. It, it is mesmerizing. I didn't listen to every single song, but I I totally listened to every single jazz song on the on the re-listen. So that's a whole nother component here. I'm not necessarily sure if the original jazz compositions and arrange, arrangements by John Batiste, who's like worked for every major music group in the world and Grammys and but he's also the obviously the band leader of the late show. Wildly talented Colbert. guy. Yeah. Unbelievable! Some of these original uh, jazz compositions, mm-hmm. and to, for them to each tell their own story and to be vital to what this movie's doing. I mean, we we're gonna go into spoilers and have some of the the you know the musical spectacles be our best scenes, Mike. But yeah, I mean, John Batiste. If those jazz compositions are considered, um, along with like if this Oscar is is if there's three trophies up there at the end of the day, then yeah, score is done. And then that's what puts it over the top. John Batiste's original jazz, which is like cocoa levels of storytelling in this movie. If that's considered with the, the same, you know, heaven and hell's or heaven and purgatory score that these other two guys said, it's done. It's over. I haven't really heard anything close. And that's not me talking bad about the rest of the field in terms of original score. That's just how good, Ross and Reznor and Baptiste. That's how good everyone was in terms of bringing this music to this movie. Yeah, I, I think it's a done deal if Baptiste's jazz compositions are considered. I'm not, again, I, sh- I should have looked it up. I had time. <laughs> but, I, but everything you read, it's it's Reznor and Ross. And all right, well, if, if they're just considering the heaven, you know, the heavenly stuff, and that's mm-hmm. just the original score, then maybe our, our bottom line, we'll, we'll look at it. I know I say bottom line a lot. Probably shouldn't, but we'll look at it and get back to you guys uh, to see what or who's up for original score. If Batiste stuff is up for it, then it's done deal. Uh, I love the editing by Kevin Nolting. He did the work on Up and Inside Out. We know from studying this apparatus, from studying Pixar, Mike, that basically every single animator is also kind of an editor. I know yeah. he's not cutting the scenes together, but they, I mean they're. They're fighting over every pixel. They're controlling every pixel. This is such a labor-intensive process, animation. And you just, you're just you just in awe of how many people are really kind of directing every shot, directing every scene. I mean, he really is playing an orchestra, Pete Doctor, because of the animation. In the way, like we talked about in our Christmas at the Oscars episode, in the way that I don't understand how voters in the academy differentiate sometimes between cinematography and set design right i also don't understand how they differentiate between animation and editing because like you said we've seen behind the scenes stuff everybody at pixar has to literally edit everything on every frame for every character and every background so i don't understand how pixar isn't just a constant every time they release a movie in editing if if that's all pointed towards animation instead and all given credit for the animation category then this wins animated feature by an even wider margin than i think it already should so i'm with you i can see this being a a fighter in editing the Mm -hmm. only thing that i think i would say on top of that is that if this is going to be a best picture contender i don't know that it is i think it should be personally but i if it does get to the heights where it's actually competing to win best picture I think it's got a better chance of at least being nominated in editing because of that tie-in, historically. I haven't seen it anywhere. We'll kind of go and we'll get into it later on when the Oscar lens. We'll kind of put a bow on this. But 
that that should be something on more people's radar. I think mm-hmm. the editing of this film is is extraordinary, and I think it should be there. And I want to shout out Kevin Nolting, and he's done great work work uh, on Up and Inside Out previously. But right. this animation is so gorgeous. We have realism on the level of Ratatouille, which was Paris, France. Better, I think, us, Mike. Right? Honestly, better, better yeah. with New York City. But then you have a whole other animation style with all this, you know, this meta purgatory before time. Right. I mean, my God, what they're doing. I probably, you know, pun intended, I guess. Anyway, (laughs) what they're able to accomplish with the animation here and the realism and how these characters are so like you get every body type. In this oh, yeah. movie, it represented, and I just love it. Like that guy is a box like me. He, he's the same. <laughs> like I'm a tail of the tape guy, right? And so I found I saw myself on screen there in terms of you know my body type, and I saw, I'm sure I saw you on the screen, Mike, with your body. I, everybody's <laughs> represented in this movie from every age group. I just thought it's fascinating to watch a movie about New York City and feel like you're in New York City. I can't believe this was the movie. This year, I mean, I know we saw a lot of cityscapes, and it was it was starting to. But I thought most of this movie was just going to be blue, a blue person talking Same. to another blue person, Same. and that was the movie. No, yeah, we get a lot of time on Earth and mm-hmm. a lot of time in Manhattan and New York City specifically, and there are shots that I cannot believe aren't just photographs and aren't. At, I, we talk a lot of when we're wowed about something physically, like at Astra, we were very high on the set design and the cinematography of it, for example, and that happens every year. Blade Runner 2049 is another example, but this is just stunning. I, I cannot believe this, some of these images are rendered from a computer. Well, we're not going to talk forever about performances and characters, but we talked about through those 21 episodes of the Pixar uh, the films of Pixar playlist that we have on SoundCloud. We talk forever about how every animator at Pixar was always concerned with caricature, which is animation, mm-hmm. right? The cartoony features right. that characterize these characters and realism and, and how it was always a battle of how far to go. And I think they went more towards realism here, but there's still there's still all these cartoony embellishments that are just adorable here. Like Joe having that punch of a belly and the skinny legs. I love this man because he's me. <laughs> I love this movie hit close to home, but number one, like Jamie Foxx as Joe in this movie was, was adorable right from the start. The fact yes. that you have so many characters like his, his family, I loved his mother's character played by Felicia Rashad and and all the women in that uh, tailor shop. You have, you have Questlove, Dobby Diggs, Angela Bassett. I think they're involved in the New York city stuff. And then you have Tina Fey, Graham Norton, Alice Braga. I mean, the the list goes on. How Graham Norton isn't in every voice acting role. I mean, his voice is perfect for a cartoonish kids movie like this, but I'm with you. The performances are outstanding. They all fit very well. The caricatureness is mm-hmm. reserved for the characters, and for some reason, that works against the hyper realism that the city and and the the backdrop animation was. Because that looks like a photograph. Like I said, I don't know why that trade off works so well, but it really does, and I think it really does add something to the watching. Uh, and maybe it's because we're all different and we like seeing ourselves on there in different ways and we all can interpret things differently. And it's nice to see everything not be so perfectly, even when it's hand drawn or computer animated or whatever. But I'm, I'm absolutely with you. The backdrop is gorgeous. The characters are gorgeous. The performances were 
great. I saw some backlash against, and I guess this goes more to script, but it also could be in performance, could be in direction as well. Mm-hmm. I did see some backlash out there against the white savior narrative, specifically the white middle-aged woman savior narrative. I don't uh, know how that hits with me. I don't think I felt that from this at all. Did you? No, but we're going to get into it in script thoughts. Okay. Uh, no, absolutely not. 100% no. I think people are wrong on that. But we'll, we'll get into it in a minute. I think uh, the last voice that I wanted to call attention to was Rachel House. And, and that's a name not everybody knows. But she was great. From Moana. She plays the Terry character mm-hmm. in this, which is like a St. Peter type. And mm-hmm. she's funny, number one. But when you think of her character... In Taika Waititi's Hunt for the Wilder People, <laughs> she is a a child services like detective in that movie, and that movie is basically a road trip movie between this like surrogate father Sam Neill and this kid from he was from uh, Deadpool Two. My God, that movie is one of the underrated classics of the last ten years. But the fact that she's basically reprising parts of that character in this <laughs> and going going after Joe, I loved it so much. Her voice is so perfect. Uh, yeah, I, again, I don't. I mean, it's Pixar, so how much can we say? Oh my God, it was perfectly casted. But this really was, especially for the characters that these play, especially for the different variations of, of the Jerry. I mean, every just so good, so good. Rachel House specifically playing that Terry role. Hilarious. All right, so let's wrap up the Oscar lens. I think you kind of made your predictions, and I, I, I would agree with you. At the end of the day, I think this is two categories that are for, for sure. I think we want to start the campaign, really, for some other categories. I think we want to say Best Picture. I think we want to say Original Screenplay. best. And you've, Mike, you've been on Twitter saying Best Director for the longest time. I don't understand why not. There's been few directors in Hollywood history that have been on a hot streak, the likes of which Pete Docter has. And that's not to take anything away from Kemp Powers and his con- contributions and his role in this, too. I, I, I mean, get him up there as well. They can, they can both share it. But what does Pete Docter have to do to break the glass ceiling for have a director for an animated feature be in the Best Director category? The guy kills it every time he's out there. And, I mean, if it was ever going to happen... In this quote-unquote watered-down year, this difficult season, this this time of 2020 we all lived through, with, with theaters being shut down and the field being basically cut in half, why wouldn't you give it some consideration this year? Well, he's an old standby for you, and he has a lot of track record with us based on yeah. Monsters, Inc., and the fact that he's in charge of Pixar now, essentially, with his status over there after Lasseter got the boot. So, I mean, this man is, has done phenomenal work, but... This is like an ironic situation because he has he has worked so well with with teammates at Pixar, but here Kemp Powers rolled into this story and saved it. Like he could not figure out the story, Pete Doctor. And every every time you you listen to the backstory on this, it is Kemp Powers and 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 making this a jazz movie. And there's so many times where this screenwriter who earned himself a spot in the director chair. The fact that this was such a collaboration between an old Pixar guy and Ken Powers telling a lot of his personal story with this movie. Yeah. I I really think that's going to be a narrative that that could gain some traction. Now, does it gain traction for Ken Powers in original screenplay and adapted screenplay? Does somebody vote him in for adapted screenplay more as as a likelihood this year because 
of the strength of his entire body of work mm-hmm. with Soul being involved, or does he get the double nomination that we have? When's the last time that's happened? We that's an Oscar stat we're going to have to do. Like yeah. he's right now, original screenplay is eighth on Feinberg's forecast. Seventeen of twenty-four experts on Gold Derby from Clayton Davis and everywhere. Uh, we have. We have original screenplay as probably that that third possibility that is the most likely for this film. If it's not best picture, best director, it's a little more of a long shot. Uh, original, uh, best sound, next best picture. They're they're really holding the flag for sound on this movie. They have it sixth in their rankings thus far. Variety sixteenth. Otherwise, Mike, I haven't seen anything for editing, and Best Picture seems like it's on the outside looking in, 11th on Hollywood Reporter, 17th on Variety, 13 out of 24 experts on Gold Derby, though, have it in their tent. So that's like the big picture. We think it should be there. No it's a top-tier to film. Yeah, That makes no sense to me. I mean, I mean, what, what movies have been just head and shoulders above this one in 2020? You can't name 10. This is the problem with animated features of the past and with Pixar animated features of the past. We haven't seen enough Best Picture nominations. We've seen movies like this put in their own category. Right. But this will be an interesting test case for this year's category uh, Academy, Mike, because we have essentially an animated picture for adults. It has more, let's be honest, this movie has more appeal for, to, for you and me than your niece and nephew. <laughs> Full I would stop. hope so, but yes. <laughs> no, we grew up watching Pixar movies, and this is Disney making a movie, a Pixar movie for us, even more than kids. Because kid, like I've heard a lot of stories about kids not being able to, I, I don't know, not connecting with this movie as much as their parents. And that, that maybe that's my bubble, and I just you know. I've heard that from some podcasts, and I've heard that from from film Twitter, and certainly from my family. So. I'm curious. Has you, has your niece and nephew watched this? Do you think do you think that's a a plus in this category like I do, or do you think necessarily the fact that this is a kids movie that is not as popular with kids is going to hurt it? I, I think it gets credit for being as deep and as kind of abstract as it is, and still mm-hmm. pulling off where it can be kids moments. I, I mean, the Moonwind character, Graham Norton's character, the Moonwind character is totally for kids, even though he's basically speaking the exposition of how this is all tied together. I, I, there's there's aspects of this that certainly do appeal. This is still a kid's movie, even though the message of it and the deep thinking of it is certainly written and made for adults. I think that should only help its cause, quite frankly. Well, I do think that the Animated feature and original score, those are likely at this point. We have Chicago, Florida, L.A. critics picking it for best score, best music of the year. Animated feature, we know it's getting nominated, even though Wolf Walkers may pose a threat. I mean, well, let's be honest. Wolf Walkers is beloved out there, and it should be. It's really gorgeous. It's it's really beautiful uh, in terms of its backgrounds. I have issues with that story a little bit. I don't think the story was as strong as some people make it out. To me, like a Wolf Walkers is more of a kid's movie than Soul because it's like repetitive. It's banging the same theme, thematic drum, where this movie is getting very high-minded. I am, like, But doesn't that, yeah, but doesn't that matter? Like, shouldn't that... It should shouldn't matter that for appeal to the Academy? That's like, isn't saying. that amazing that they are able to walk that tightrope? The storytelling feats of this script, of this Kemp Bowers, uh, Kemp Bowers, Pete Doctor collaboration here, you get all of the joy of a Pixar movie, and we'll talk about it in a minute, but you also get, like, this next-level... Right. You know, it's a work. philosophical conversation. I-, I think it should be there. I think it should be an original screenplay. Get Kemp Bowers nominated. I'm with you. Original and adapted, because I think the... 
the you know the the joy of one night in Miami. It really it's due to that play. It's in many ways, and and Regina King has said sung the praises of it as well. So this movie, if it's gonna get Best Picture, probably needs to start getting more sound stuff. And again, we did the research on Pixar movies and how they do their sound. For one of the movies, like for one of the animated characters in Toy Story, they had like baby shoes and they have people tapping baby shoes on like this thing to do the sound of 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 the Toy Story movies. So imagine what they're doing here. The only reason this wouldn't be considered in other categories is if you're a voter who has made up your mind that animated movies won't get in. Right. Because there's no, I mean, this is as good as any other movie in a lot of categories this year. So if you're, and if you're the type that's come out and said, I can't put cartoon movies, or I can't put quote unquote kids movies in these other, in these other categories, what are you voting on? I, I mean, I mean that seriously, like this is top tier filmmaking. This is top tier stuff that's working on multiple levels. If you can't evolve as a voter, which you proved Academy, you can, you just proved that last yes. year with the parasite uh, run. So you can't evolve. If you're not evolving, if you're already disqualifying films just because they're animated features, why, why are you voting on the Oscars in the first place? Well, that's the whole thing. We have to draw attention to the production quality here and the, what's going into these productions. And we know because we, we did 24 episodes or whatever it was, 21 episodes on Pixar films. And the apparatus, the filmmaking apparatus, it's genius. And again, they should be in charge of like peace in the Middle East, never mind freaking <laughs> making movies. But no offense to making movies. But my God, I think if Disney Plus released like a three-hour making of uh, Soul right now, like mm. they, they, that's what they should do. Disney, if you're listening, release all that footage. <laughs> Just release it. I know you got some stuff on YouTube, you got some stuff out there, but more of it and get it in the Academy's hands. If they see the filmmaking on display with Soul, it's going to be a best sound contender. It's going to be, uh, you know, an editing contender, which it should be. And it's getting no buzz for editing. Yeah, and of course, best picture. crazy, crazy. Yeah. I, I don't understand. You can't name 10 movies that are better than it so far. I mean, you can name you. Can, it could be a competition. You could discuss and debate. You can't tell me ten titles in twenty twenty that have come out that are definitively higher quality than this one. So over under three, what's it gonna get? And we got to put our prediction hats on right now because original screenplay and best picture I think are closer than sound and, and obviously editing is not on the board really. But I, we think it's getting score and animated feature. But we know how the Academy votes, and we know how they kind of put animated uh, films in that category. And it's usually because they're kids' movies, I think. But this movie, again, uh, I'll just put that acorn in their heads. Over under three, what do you think? I'm going to say over just because I want to be hopeful. I I mean, I don't know know that I believe that, but screw it. we got to start the campaign at some point, and this should be considered more. So over under four. (laughs) 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 Yeah. Well, what, what would be the fifth? So picture, animated feature, sound, sound well, editing. Sound or original screenplay are probably on the same level of probability right now based on some Yeah, screw punishment. it. Give it five. Give it five. A, a, a screenplay and score, yeah, and sound. Sure. Five. I'll say five. So director would be really above or, you know, over. He deserves it. Yeah. I mean, it deserves to be talked about. I'm kind of upset that it's taken this long and you've, you're starting to see traction some little pieces of that conversation happen out there i don't know that it's going to take hold i don't understand why but i I don't think it'll get there yeah i didn't see any gold derby expert with dr powers uh dr powers it's dr powers what a a good name name right there but the the two of them as co-directors i didn't see that 
anywhere. But it's it's unfortunate because it should be in, more in the conversation this particular year. Yeah, because it, I agree, man. Better than other movies, just flat out better. All right, watch it, people. We'll talk spoilers. Spoilers ahead. This is a spoiler warning. Spoilers. Spoilers. This is the spoiler section of the Oscar Sprint Profile for the movie Soul by Disney and Pixar, brought to you by Mike, Mike, and Oscar. If you've not seen the movie yet, this is a good place for you to hit pause on this episode. Go check it out. It's on Disney Plus right now. We'll be here waiting for you to come back and hit play. If you've seen the movie already or you're just curious to hear what we have to say, this is where you want to be. All twists, turns, and plots spoiled from this point forward for the Oscar Sprint Profile of the movie Soul, brought to you by Mike, Mike, and Oscar. Michael, let's talk about felines. I think we need to talk about cats, and I know this is a jazz movie, and the irony's not lost on me that there's a cat character, and people in the jazz community are known as cats. Mm-hmm. In fact, there's in, in, in football, there's cat coverage, which okay. is just man-to-man coverage, which is basically, I got this cat, you got that cat. We, 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 it's a term we use out there. But, Mike, there is a cat character in this movie, and there is a cat crazy cat man in this movie right there's a whole storyline of harry and tonto the middle of this film is a body switch comedy of tina fey inside his body joe's body and we have jb fox we have joe's soul inside the cat which is hilarious (laughs) which finally brings all the kids back into the movie if they if you lost them there for a little bit with the whole uh you know heaven can wait thing Mm -hmm. fine they come back immediately <laughs> once we realize that Tina Fey's soul is going to eat pizza for the first time and he is Jamie Foxx's inside the cat. Michael. Well, there's another existential question. Do I just like this movie so much because it gives the proper due and respect to New York pizza? I, my One of my favorite scenes of the yeah, year. Hilarious. Mind, probably the decade, maybe, when, when she takes that first bite of the pizza. But, Michael, does this redeem the genre of cat? No. Next question. <laughs> I guess I'd like it's your favorite movie of the year thus far. I can handle animated cats. Uh, you know, if they're talking and and they're doing what Tina Fey is doing in this movie and what Jamie yeah. Foxx is doing in this yeah. movie, Pixar can make anything adorable. So I'm I'm but more where, softened in that stance. Where is the irrational positivity to match your irra- irrational negativity and grudges that you hold for <laughs> movies with things you don't like in them? Like we've gone over this. Uh, well, here's here's where I stand of on times. cats. Like I used to be a big cat person as a kid, mm-hmm. and cats turned on me before I turned on them because for whatever reason I am now deathly allergic to cat dander and mm-hmm. not dog dander. So I blame them for conspiring against me. So you blame uh, a species of animal Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. for, okay. I would take them over horse movies, though. I'll take a cat movie over a horse movie. All right. So we've gained (laughs) small amounts of progress. I thought this being your one of your favorite movies of the year built on the back of a cat premise mm-hmm. the fact that like this is the middle of the movie folks we know this now that we're in the spoiler section i thought we had a chance to outlive harry and tonto and that 
irrational grudge you held against that particular Well, don't movie. forget, Cats the movie came out before this did, right. too. So it had a ways to go to climb back to relevancy. Uh, and that's on <laughs> HBO Max now. And are, are, yeah, are you secretly watching Cats? Is that where <laughs> you're at? Is it like the Buckner film from that Fever Pitch movie and you're just depressingly watching Cats? <laughs> I just watched one of uh, our buddy Amanda from Swell Entertainment's videos that she just put on <laughs> YouTube. And she referenced how she told us, she referenced in that, mo- in that video again how she was a masochist and brought her friends to watch cats and she can't stop watching cats and i had like a vietnam level flashback to when she told us that on our program and i just like went went blind with rage and outrage at the idea you do you do Uh, you you fly (laughs) off the handle but all right i tried folks i i do think this is a joyous piece of filmmaking that middle uh, of 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 this story where they have the body switch moment where they are walking through New York City and she doesn't know how to walk in Joe's body the fact that she gets to eat that New York pizza and that turns the entire sequence when she takes a bite of New York of that New York slice that fat Joe inside the cat the yeah. therapy cat steals from the window? I mean, my God, what a moment. They handle the Tina Fey character that the whole why is this reluctant soul who doesn't want to ever leave yeah. the great before willing to go to Earth. I thought they handled that really well. And then the whole movie has to kind of turn on her reluctance to go back and her willingness to want to stay on Earth. And, and, and Joe's needing to find himself and him saying, you know, you're really good at jazzing is the whole ending moral play there they handle all that really really creatively and really well even to the part where like yes she wants to stay on earth because she realizes there's so many highlights and life is for living and you make of it what you will and there's reasons to be excited about life but but getting to that point where she's feels so bad for joe in the great before where she's like look your life was miserable and if you want to go back to Earth so badly, I have to know why. I thought that was really clever and creative. And we, if you're doing a body swap movie, it's rare you can get a creative premise for a body swap movie anymore. And yet, all of that was you know, sentimental to the point where I can't believe who I'm talking to here. <laughs> Beautiful sentiments by you. But you. The three turns are biting a slice of pizza. Three mm-hmm. turns of the, the sequence, a story st- structure be, being put out there. Biting a slice of pizza, a grown man slowly bending over to rip his pants, which was hilarious. I'm still yes. laughing at that. The fact yes. that the big smile on his face slowly bending over to pick up whatever he was picking up at that scene. <laughs> I was dying. And then the third part is just that little spinner seed pod falling from the tree into mm-hmm. her hand, his hand mm-hmm. there. I mean, the fact that we have the the opportunity for what we talked about in one of our first episodes, reviewing the full Monty where basically you ruin their greatest moment of triumph. If you're an evil god screenwriter, you ruin that that greatest moment of triumph where she realizes you know, that, that life is worth living, and then they have a knockdown, drag-out, blow-out fight between the cat mm-hmm. and the man. Maybe that's why you're not <laughs> fully getting into the cat. But then, obviously, then she, they're tracked down by, uh, by Terry, and they're brought back to the... You know, the great before and the Jerry's are there and they have a they continue the blowout fight in front of the Jerry's, which we didn't realize have to be won over. I mean, that's the whole goal of the film is to win over the Jerry's, the Picasso's. Yeah, I said I have this in my notes. I don't know that this is the best uh, written Pixar film ever, but I truly think this might be the best written conflict in a Pixar movie. 
it's the best written Deus Ex Machina in a yeah. long time. And I, I kind of wanted to transition to the ending here, Mike, because we have criticized a lot of Deus Ex Machina and what that means in screenwriting language is hand of God. We haven't talked about the times where Deus Ex Machina's work, mm-hmm. like Jurassic Park, Shaun of the Dead, The Lord of the Rings, Return of the King, The Wizard of Freaking Oz, Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix, ironically an adaptation from Charlie Kaufman. Those are examples of deus ex machina, hand of God moments where something lucky happens in mm. a latter scene where it's built into the fabric of the reality that you not only... Uh, allow it but you celebrate it and here right. you have the jerry's they're in charge of the before time and i love that essentially this they're in charge of heaven the jerry's the yeah. picassos they, they they're one they're many we don't know again they're walking this beautiful tightrope between monotheism and polytheism really smart by them to name them all jerry give them all different voice actors i loved it the fact that you have 22 needing saving right by Joe's soul character and Moonwind and all of that. And then that that uh is is like old school religious parable slash Bible story level uh moralizing there, but they make it work <laughs> in this in this secular version with like modern art pieces. They make it work, Mike, as the test, the test of the story where essentially if Joe succeeds, they'll give him his life back. And if Joe fails, then he, they won't. And that, that's a very, obviously it's a, it's a literal hand of God moment at the end of it. When they say, okay, you succeeded, you can also have your life back. But that's a, that's a trial. We didn't, that was almost thrown in from where I viewed it anyway. Like we, Joe made the decision he gives himself up at the end to let 22 totally. become a soul and go ahead. So we didn't, we didn't, literally. yeah, it was a self-sacrifice and we didn't know that that option was going to be available to Joe to actually go back and live his life. If they didn't do that, this movie would have been crushing. Like release I, it in 2027. Sure, I agree. I agree, but I, I think it would yeah. have been, I mean, would you not have been, would you not have found that to be a satisfying ending anyway? Like, yes, it would have been crushing. It would have been depressing and they it would have been unlike endings. Pixar. Yeah, they had alternate endings where Joe didn't become alive again. I think that would have really been something that would have disqualified this as a kids movie. It would have had to have been Peter. Right, that's what I was going to say next. It would have been tough to sell it as a kids movie. I but agree. it would also be the worst message for this pandemic. The fact that you Fair wrote point. in, Fair you point. wrote. I mean, again, they covered their bases here with the Jerry's. Jerry could have sent Joe and Twenty Two back after the Hall of Everything, but the fact that. 22 came out of the hall of everything wanting to go further in the process which we, she didn't do for millennia beforehand only because joe's character is, is someone that became her mentor the fact that the jerry's allowed that and then threw terry the uh, rachel house character off the scent the saint peter character off their scent throughout <laughs> the fact that basically this entire movie is structured uh, as a mentor relationship having to work and therefore earn God's hand at the end. That's what this movie was yeah. story-wise. And I'm okay with that because they wrote it into act one. I, I don't have a problem with it. Certainly. I, it's just, I mean, there's little, I always have a problem with luck and coincidence and just people deciding like, okay, this will happen now, but there's little happenstance moments in this that just, if you're leading to a happier ending here, but if you're God willing... is a character, right, or a poly character, mm-hmm. 
and you have to earn their pat on the head, good job, then as long as you do that, and he, he totally does. I mean, it's his mo- the, one of the most emotional sequences of right. the year right. when he sacrifices himself to let her. Right. I mean, it's when they jump absolutely down, adorable. Oh, my God. And they're flying, and then he's going to let her go. And it's live. heartbreaking, too. Yeah. My goodness. I can't but believe I thought, that. I'll tell you, I, I really thought that was Joe serving his purpose. I thought that was going to be the moral of the movie. Right. Was like, yes, life is worth living, but there's things out there that are bigger than yourself. You know, I just think if they, you know, if they but it's made, tough to do that in a kid's movie. I agree. If they made him <laughs> just a mentor for all the lost souls, but he was dead. Joe was dead. <laughs> right. Right. I, so, I agree. I get I gonna, totally agree with what you're saying. They're not going to release that Christmas of a pandemic. <laughs> I didn't think that was going to happen. Right. And I get why. they. But the fact that we're even having this conversation mm-hmm. about it mm-hmm. and that was on the table to have to be in play. Like, no, this isn't a kid's movie, quote-unquote, but the fact that it is still a kid's movie, this tightrope is really unique. It's really unlike what other movies tr- ever try to do. And another best scene to make that, uh, to, to secure that, right, reaction in the audience is they save their best jokes for twists in the plot. I just said it before. Like, it's a, it's hilarious that he bends down slowly and rips his pants to get him to his mother's tailor shop. But it's also hilarious when Jerry basically tells Terry when he's trying to, they're trying to fix the count. Hey, Terry, what's that over there? Yeah, that was so That was the hardest I laughed all movie. <laughs> we took he, it. We took care of Jerry. He moves one beat over. That's that's a hilarious meta joke. They save the best joke to that moment in the yeah. explanation where that you laugh away the obvious objection. I love it. Yeah, I, I, I'm with you. And there's, I honestly feel like we can just dissect every moment of this forever. I think this is, there's just so much movie here. And I think that's kind of the point of it too. I love when movies want you to ask questions and they don't hold your hand. They don't answer all of them. This actually reminds me, this is how sick my brain is, but this kind of reminds me of us by Jordan Peele. Right. Like there's so many questions this movie's asking and they're hinting at what they think answers are, but they don't know because they're unanswerable. You don't really know what's going on. You don't really know how the soul works. You don't really know what happens, uh, you know, pre or post life here on Mm. earth, but you just, the point is to make the most of it live because life is worth living. We finally see the bad guy lair in us, and it's, I'm not going to spoil it, don't worry, but we finally see the bad guy lair, and instead of, uh, uh, you know, the really kind of learning what's going on, you know, there, there's an exposition dump there, but it's a there's a dance fight. Right, <laughs> yeah, know? like, there's a bunch of people holding hands across Earth, and that's hands across America, but also it's the most evil thing you can ever imagine. You know, <laughs> like, it's, there's just all these double entendres and, and, and meanings beyond meanings and all this context you have to bring with you to have unanswerable questions like that be the backdrop and the basis of your movie like they are here in a kids movie no less or in a horror movie like we're yeah. talking about with I mean it's just it's really really stunning to me well you have like you we do in every James Bond movie you have that cue moment right where you're explaining the world at the end mm-hmm. of act 1 heading into act 2 where we basically have you know the in the zone moment of 22 showing you know, showing uh, Joe's character how you go travel back and forth between, you know, heaven and earth and pur- purgatory. And you put your best Knicks joke. Like, Kent Powers put the <laughs> Knicks joke there. Like, th- here's an example of how this reality works. Let's not think too hard about it. 
I've been messing with this team for decades. Let's watch a guy in a Knicks <laughs> uniform just clank a dunk. Like if they if they put a finger roll, it would have been better. To lose Patrick. to lose the game, he misses a dunk too. Doris so Burke, perfect. Doris Burke's voice, and the Knicks lose another one. I was laughing. I just thought it was brilliant. And uh, I mean, to, to put that great joke in that key moment of explanation you're weaponizing the exposition to to just make us laugh so hard and allow us to just relax with with all of the uh world building kind of thing i love the world building in general both in the uh the great beyond the great before and on earth uh, i love the 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 souls coming up to uh when when joe is first in the great beyond and hell hell yeah. hell 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 <laughs> hell uh, that reminded me of the seagulls from finding nemo Very i love fun. repeat yes. call and response like that uh the hedge fund manager scene where uh the guy's mm-hmm. sitting at his desk and he finally finds his soul gets ignited and he finds the will to live and he just clears off his desk in the middle of wall street that was <laughs> hilarious everything in dez's barbershop i mean the love the it. The context, the subtext about life and how it's got purpose that you find not only in Dez's barbershop, but also when uh, Dorothea talks to Joe and gives him that that life lesson about the fish who wants to see the ocean and ends up living his whole life in water. And sometimes the things you really want, you already have. And they're right in front of you. The whole I I can't believe this is a children's movie. (laughs) It's brilliant how you have a character like Joe and he, he is shown for all his flaws and all those great scenes by contrast with how these this body swap comedy reacts with all of these characters from his former life. The, the, Dez's barbershop, the fact that he's never talked to Dez about Dez's own life, and mm-hmm. that's turns the sequence with Dez fixing his hair, but oh my God, I'm unselfishly asking you and I'm connecting with you about your life, even though I'm in the cat and, and she in 22. Well, that, that was the, that was why the, the fight was so irrationally, uh, you know, Joe was so irrationally wrong and wasn't seeing things like the Dorothea calls him arrogant later on. Aren't you an arrogant one? And it's mm-hmm. absolutely right. Like he's totally putting himself above right. others. Right. And, when 22's speech takes over with his mother, like, that's one of my favorite scenes of the movie. I love that mom character. The mom is convinced by 22 going off book, off script, to tell, to, to voice her frustrations, again, to show the universality of everybody's frustrations uh, with, with, with life and with paternal, maternal figures there. The fact that Felicia Rashad is convinced and then oh my God, let's get your dad's suit ready. I just thought it was, that was the perfect reaction. Because, I, I mean, we've all had blowout arguments with our parents. Of course. Before and, they and, cook and we us we lose dinner, perspective right? when we're right. personally before, invested in those. Before they fix our lives and, and mm-hmm. do our laundry and, 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 you know, make us dinner that night, the night of a blowout argument or something. So right. the, the fact that that is such a human reaction and that the mother comes to bear, or comes to his aid in that moment, I just thought that was brilliant. There's so many little people, and I I agree with what something you said earlier. I think you get enriched on rewatching this, not in the way you do with other movies, like maybe you miss something in the plot, but just it provides you a new way to think about something. And I don't, I I am amazed that Pixar is. I I shouldn't be because Pixar is an amazing company, but how they're able to do that it stuns me. Well, a worse movie is just going to put a bigger speech on it, right? Yeah, exactly. Just gonna get an they're annoying... going to try to hold your hand through it. They're going to try to tell you about it. Yeah. No, but Moonwind is gyrating hilariously <laughs> when he's dropping the most exposition with that sign. And the mother is just, "All right, I'll fix you the suit. 
Uh, and, and we're seeing her love her son. We're not necess- She doesn't have to give her own speech on top of his speech. It's just, I just really, really loved the script. Kemp Powers is just a brilliant writer, and obviously he d- he did much more than that on this film. So it's this is like one of those years where it's the perfect time to reward someone like that making his debut and and landing. And let's establish his career. I mean, he's two for two with two triples, if not home runs, and don't, this year. I mean, don't you want to feel good about this year, right? Like, don't you want to, Academy voters, don't you want to feel good about the, the movie that makes you feel good? Is Doesn't that matter after this hellscape of 2020? I think it matters. And I think, you know, we, we talk about representation always mattering. Here's a movie oh my about God. black culture that's, that's just about people. It's just about I mean, you yeah. could have made it's 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 incredibly important to celebrate the culture, no doubt about it. But you could have this could be a white guy, but it doesn't matter. That's no. my my whole point. Right, it, it matters, but it doesn't matter. This is not a movie like we've seen the Academy Award out of white guilt. Yes. We've been yes. on their case. Yes, for de- you know, for decades before we started hitting record on a this podcast. is what representation is and how what it should be is what exactly. you're trying to say. Yeah. This is a movie about a mother. And I mean, a look son, at the first the first yeah. six people. I think the first six characters to talk. I know the first four to talk. Black man, black child, Hispanic woman, black woman. Uh, this is it's it's unbelievable. And it, you you just you're right. You, there's no guilt involved. It's just life, man. This is what life is. We're seeing ourselves literally on screen. Mm-hmm. Like I I reacted to this movie. Like, Joe is more me than I want to admit to anybody out there. (laughs) I'm living Joe's arc right now. So I I related to Joe more than any other. Like, Joe March and and what was his last name in Soul? Joe Soul in this movie. I related to these two characters more than any in, like, the last five years of my movie-watching life. So for all of the people who are still out there like if, if the movie's not made about a 40 year old white guy i can't relate to it i mean this it's bs it's bogus it's ridiculous that's the magic yeah. of the movies yeah. and hey that's the magic of humanity maybe it's right, right. well that's and that's like this a movie like this brings you closer it just right. does i mean it, it, you feel it helps fill something in you and it gives you hope and i i mean that's what i think is most important here i I mean we like i said i feel like i could rave about this forever it's just so much better and maybe that's how i do judge movies overall and i've been lacking that from other movies in 2020 but it just to me you get so much more out of this movie than any other movie i've seen in 2020 thus far and I, i i just feel like that's a universal feeling for how someone's going to feel after they watch this I think you're talking me up a point, and I knew that was going to happen today. I wrote it down in terms of my grades. I do have a few nitpicks, though. Yeah, same here. Not- I wanted to make sure we get those in before we... Uh, can't be too positive. We're still Mike, Mike, and Oscar, after all. No. That's right. Okay. <laughs> you have computers on Earth, but in heaven, Terry is using an abacus, and he's sifting... <laughs> I like where- to think of that as a personal choice on his part. <laughs> he's sifting... It's hilarious, by the way. And it's really smart as a ticking clock, and as a visual of him going through the warehouses, the Indiana Jones warehouse... Folders and Hilarious. files. The fact that that's the ticking clock of this—I mean, it's a load of nonsense. But it is—it's funny and it works for the movie. Uh, how is Moonwind able to go back and forth between the Lost Souls before area and Earth? Because he gets into the zone, flip spinning that sign. <laughs> <That's what it's- laughs> 
That's what's funny about it. They just gyrate so, to perfection, spinning that sign for hours on end that he is a mystical soul savior warrior type. But he's Peter Griffin in that only he can actually understand the cat on Earth. Like Peter can only understand Brian and no one else can. Does yeah. that mean everyone at the hospital lacks a soul? And never is in flow in their job because they couldn't understand Joe as the cat talking to them at the beginning. He is one with the universe, as <laughs> Ace Ventura 2 would say. <laughs> Beverly Hills did Joe. It's a terrible movie. Uh, Mike, a nitpick number two. I have no Lisa payoff, and Lisa was supposedly Joe's girlfriend. This is going to be me being irrational and wanting something more than I got. And it's just a, pe- a petulant child. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. Ready for me being a petulant child? Please. I wanted them to tie in the Lisa stuff somewhere. Like I want, here's, I've, I grew up on star Wars movies and English royalty movies. I thought that his girlfriend was going to tell him at the end of the movie, Lisa, who they foreshadowed mm-hmm. that he, she was pregnant right at the end of it. And then he would give birth and, you know, you'd see the little baby girl with a yeah. spinner, seed spinner, and you'd know 22 was his daughter or something, and you'd have a father. Like, that's my brain trying to rewrite or overwrite the shit, but it would have been overwriting, right? Well, I, 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 that thought did cross my mind, something about having to do with the girl, but I think it was purposeful, too. I think, yeah. I think they wanted this to be an examination of your own life, one person's life, and how you can give your own life meaning and purpose and spark. You know, like they say, as it's said mm-hmm. in the badge in the movie. And I think that was purposefully done, that you don't need to rely on, a, you know, relationships are great and love is great, you know, but you can, you are fully capable of finding your own meaning in your life on your own. Leave it open-ended. Yeah. Leave it optimistic. Don't get specific with that because right. then, yeah, then you're ascribing that level of uh, catharsis with certain achievements. Yeah. And it, that's what they're not trying to do. And they're not trying to make this a... You know what every movie is. You know since the beginning of time has been, is, has mm-hmm. been about the father son or the right. father daughter. Come on, it's right. not about that. It's about exactly. it's more it's about you. It's about it's about you. You know, it's about your you as a human being. It's about an individual, which I think is really cool. Um, speaking of an individual, though, a nitpick mm-hmm. I had. So Joe gives this big heartfelt speech to Dorothea and says, "You're going to make a mistake if you <laughs> go with this other guy." Uh-huh. So that guy's just fired on the spot. Like, what's his movie? He turns yeah. into De Niro from Taxi Driver after this? He's he's out of luck. Yeah. He's, uh, I thought I that ho- was a little weird. I hope he wasn't the uh, the character from Ma Rainey's Black Pot. Right. Like, what the fuck? I just leave? Just, I, I'm, I'm glad you're, everything's going great for you, Joe. Exactly. Yeah, Joe basically, you know... Hypes his way. Uh, look, ruined he, this man's day. He also ruined the rehearsal. Like that's like that's just him totally like uh, showing off. And Hot I know dogging and did, showboating. Yeah, she gave him the physical gesture with her hand to show off. But I'm I'm in that scene. Like, all right, I'm supposed to mesh with these people perfectly, but she wanted to see his skills. Again, right. You know, she she showed it, but fine. Uh, I have issues with the luck of this movie. Uh, again, it's providence. I would say at the end of the day, I think that, you know, this becomes a nitpick and not a worse scene because luck is not luck in this movie. It's Providence. The fact Mm -hmm. that, you know, Joe and the cat, they bump into Dorothea from the cab. I think they're trying to show New York City this always happening. And, you know, I think about all my time in New York City. I spent years there. 
I didn't bump into a lot of people every day, right. but I also bumped into Steve Gutenberg and ex-girlfriends <laughs> at the worst possible time. And, you know, so many people that I've told, I've told, told stories you? about Willem Dafoe. And, Mike, it happens all the time in the city, especially if you're walking the same blocks every day. So it's really not luck. It just is. It's New York. Did you date Steve Gutenberg? No, but I had the moment <laughs> no, of my early 2000s bumping into Steve Gutenberg. And I told the story on the podcast. There were too and many police academies, Steve. Right. I, I just think uh, I think if I was aware that I would bump into Steve Gutenberg, I would have told him that. But I also would have told him, like, hey, you and uh, Rick Moranis should be making movies right now. I don't know why you quit. You stopped. The parent trap has become idolized in nostalgia. <laughs> But the fact that, like, with Moonwind, they reach, they immediately bump into 22, right? I mean, this is supposed to be an endless landscape right. in the it's, netherworld. It's more like a college campus than it is actually Manhattan in that aspect. It felt like a campus. Yeah. Manhattan felt like a campus. The the island of lost souls or wherever they were felt like a campus. It's it just like, you know, they, 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 the happenstance, which is really mm-hmm. providence, Fine. I mean, I, I had issues watching the movie the first time. I was like, oh, so they're just going to run into the cat lady here. The right. person coming out of the subway right at the moment <laughs> they're going in is the person from the hospital looking for her, you know, therapy cat. Who right, the which owner. outraged me because I missed that that was a therapy cat, and I thought it was Joe's cat. Uh-huh. Uh, and, and so when the cat just takes off, I was like, what? Mm-hmm. <laughs> but okay. you wanted- it's, not, it's not Harry and Tonto. You wanted the happy ending for Joe and his cat as much as you wanted it for Joe in 22. Right. So the fact that your heart is uh, See, jilted, that's you're jilted uh, in terms of the love you wanted to have for that cat to bring this full circle. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. See, I, I'm, I'm becoming a real boy after all, Geppetto. <laughs> Do you have any more uh, nitpicks? No, that's it. it that's, that's, we got to mine. I'm done. You got anything? No, I think I'm ready to grade this. I know you have a very high grade. There's usually a three-point curve between us, but this is this is exciting stuff, people. Mike does not give grades this high. Go ahead. No, I'm I am very high, and this does this does break the uh, the A letter range for me. I was I was very heartened by this, and look, I, I'm not all, I'm also not blind to it. It's I know it came to me at a time where I was very emotional. I mean, I mean, just lost uh, my longtime dog, and it was it made me feel good, and that helped out. But I am a 91 A minus solidly on this, and again, just based on what we've dealt with in terms of supposed contenders, I, I don't understand how people aren't higher on this in terms of making it a legitimate best picture caliber chance basically yeah. i think uh, my first watch i had some issues with it but this was a movie that got better upon rewatch after this film study i added points every time and i'm going to add points again after this morning's rewatch mike or doing this on a saturday and i was able to catch it one more time and i I loved it again. I'm, I'm, I'm good. I, it's a movie that you're gonna keep k- click and play on Disney Plus. Yeah, I know, I know they're getting a TV easy watch too. This episode was about as long as this, as the movie was. By the way, <laughs> <laughs> I figured that was gonna happen. <laughs> Mike, I'm an A minus ninety one to accelerate things. Good. Uh, a, oh, same uh, grade. I'm sorry, a minus ninety. I, I oh, bumped right. it up to ninety. Uh, but that's higher than my top tier by a schmidge. So, yeah. so Mank was a B plus 89. I got a lot of, I don't know, a lot of 89s. I got like five 89s. But this this jumps into the leaderboard for me, which, again, I you know I want to push that with the Academy. Let's go. Let's put this where it's supposed to be this year. Yeah. Best picture and, and four or five nominations. Because, again, keep... we talk about what could be, but let's talk about what should be sometimes. Yeah. This movie should be there. 
Let's keep breaking glass ceilings. We did it with the international feature last year. Let's do it with an animated feature. Why not? This is a perfect it's year to feel good about it. As good, if not better, than the other movies. So let, it should be. That. Yeah, that's. I don't. You're not going to tell me there's definitely ten movies so far that have absolutely been better. I don't. I don't buy that at all. But right. I'm with you. And and what matters most is what you thought about this movie, dear listener. We obviously want to hear from you. What grade do you give this? Did Soul speak to you in some way? Or uh, were you high or low on it? We want to know. You can leave us all those, as well as any other thoughts, comments questions concerns about anything else we do here in the mmo empire on our social medias we are mike mike and oscar on facebook and instagram at mm and oscar on twitter mike mike and oscar at gmail.com.com and on reddit we are available everywhere you hear podcasts and if you happen to be listening to us right now on the apple podcast app if you would be so kind as to go into that app click on our or tap on our cartoon faces i should say and leave us a five-star review be a great present for us to start off the new year with uh thank you for you know bearing with us throughout our little delay there at the end of 2020 thank you once again for listening to us all throughout 2020 uh we are going to keep going full steam ahead into the oscar season here uh until that new oscars month of april finally comes to pass so we have four more months of hyping up this train so michael tell the good people what's coming next in terms of what we're going to do here and what are some words of wisdom to end on well oscar race checkpoint is going to become much more of a weekly show for us because Mm -hmm. we have a lot of uh, of actual awards talk to dive into. We're going to have the Gotham's on January 11th, so we'll get a recap show for you guys there. We may do something sooner than that. We got a bunch of stories that we've been researching and, and having fun with, but we're definitely going to review pieces of a woman one night in Miami over the next two weeks. I've seen News of the World. I've seen Promising Young Woman. We're not going to review those until those are available for all of you. I'm definitely saying Promising Young Woman will probably be a OSP for us. However, you feel about that one at the end of the day, but News of the World is strong. I'm not. I don't know, necessarily know if you need to risk the pandemic to go see it. <laughs> it's 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 strong. I I really enjoyed it, but. Uh, not not that hands-down Oscar movie that I think something like Promising Young Woman should be. I'm excited to Good. dive into that one with Glad you, Mike. Words of wisdom, though, we said it at the top of the show. You know, thank you, guys. Thank you yep. for staying with us and, and joining us uh, for, for for this year more than ever, uh, despite the fact that we put out less content this year. So that's really a, a lot of uh, encouraging news for us, yeah. the fact that we're putting out less because we're, we're really – I'm breaking my ass on this website. You really are. There. You're killing it. We're, we're, we're going to put that out for everybody uh i hope relatively soon i almost want to promise it sometime soon because we're getting close don't do that that's a bad idea it's a bad idea we should <laughs> promise anything ever again so sometime in the next five years you will get mike mike and oscar.com but thank you all the same absolutely cannot thank you all enough uh guys when reality sucks well hopefully that all stayed in 2020 but you can still come watch these movies with us we are mike mike and oscar trying to make award season year-round without the stuffiness we will see you very soon. See ya.